I told him that I wanted to stop having premarital sex. He just told me that if we are taking away sex, then we shouldn't be going on dates. <laughs> Previously, we had an agreement on a two date minimum per month because I wanted to see more effort and I wanted to come up with new experiences for us. What should my next steps be or what should I say to him regarding the importance of dating? What's up, fam? Welcome back to our channel. My name is Tim. This is my beautiful wife, Pauline, and you are tuning in to the W Podcast, where you get wisdom in the word with the wheelers. Hey, so we are super excited for you to join us this week. We're doing a Q&A, answering questions that people have sent us. We got some spicy questions. Yeah. We're talking about what should you do when your girlfriend or your boyfriend have experienced church hurt? Well, honestly, that situation, they said fiance has experienced church hurt and don't love Jesus. We're talking about uh, what do you do when you have a soul tie? Like, how do you handle that? Uh, There's another question that I think we're really going to get into uh, talking about when should you pray together when you're dating? Should you not pray? Also, how to make friends with the opposite sex in a platonic way and not be weird is that the right thing to do the wrong thing to do yeah absolutely and also talking about what do you do this is the the craziest one somebody asked this what do you do when you told your boyfriend you don't want to have sex anymore Mm. and then they said well we're not going to go on dates anymore i'm telling you you want to make sure you tune in and lock and load it because this episode is going to get real it's going to be very helpful and it's going to be entertaining So without further ado, let's get into it. So the first question that we have this week was, how do you untangle a soul tie? And I feel like that's something we kind of touched on before. Yes, Um, definitely. I don't. we can talk about it again, because of course. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You had a really good response to this. I would love for you to go first, because you said something and I was like, that was good. I was like, that was good. You remember? Um, yeah, I mean, soul ties are an interesting topic because some people don't even, like, I want to say believe in them, but pretty much. Like, some people don't really, sometimes people think Christians, church people give them too much stock and it's too much, like, something that they get hung up on. Um, and someone can even say, like, it's an excuse for not kind of, like, moving on or saying, like, oh, well, I have a soul tie with this person. That's why I'm I'm still thinking about my ex or whatever the case is. Um, but I think that it can definitely be, like, a Christianese term, like, soul tie. I don't think I ever heard about that before I started being, like, heavy into Christian community. But if you kind of like break it down, like what does it mean to untangle a soul tie? Well, what does it mean? Well, I think you just said something good. Just and everyone that's here live may understand what it is. But just in case someone watching this on the replay is like, what is a soul tie? Like, I just have a definition if you don't mind. Yeah, please, please. Uh, Now, (laughs) if you look up, if you Google soul tie definition, there is no Webster 
Yeah, I don't see a Webster dictionary. So we go a little ghetto here where the Urban Dictionary uh, (laughs) says that a spiritual slash emotional connection. This is what a soul tie is a spiritual slash emotional connection you have to someone after being intimate with them, usually engaging in sexual intercourse Mm -hmm. to the point that when you want to be rid of them from your mind and your life, even when you are far away from them and out of their presence, you still feel as if they're a part of you and a part of you is, is with them. Uh, now, before Pauline finishes, I will say that there's a debate that soul ties are not biblical. Yeah. So, I mean, that's something that you can kind of take on your own and pray about if you, if that's something you care about. <laughs> uh, but that's just context on just that term and that phrase. Yeah. So um, I, I think kind of unspiritualizing it if it is something that's super spiritual just thinking about um how to untangle a tie so if you had like a knot in your necklace I don't know if that's ever happened to one of you listening like that's happened to me so many times where I like pack away a necklace and I don't pack it properly and then when I go to take it out it has a knot and if I put something like if I've gone to the gym and like take my necklace off and put it in my purse and when I you know get dressed again it's all knotted so that's what I think about of like a tie or a knot. I know the term is not soul knot, but if I think about a tie, you tie your shoes, you're tying, usually you're tying something into a knot. And so you're intertwined with that person emotionally, physically, spiritually. That's usually what it means. It's like, hey, I can't break free. I can't untie this knot that I have with this person. So whenever you have a knot, whether it be in your shoe, in your necklace, whatever, when you're untangling it, you do it very slowly. So it does, you don't break the chain of your necklace or whatever the case is. And I think that we need to take that same approach of gentleness when it comes to our hearts and our souls. Because regardless of if a soul tie is real or not, obviously it's something that you are struggling with and it's something that you are trying to seek God's help from and get free of. That's basically what it is, is you're looking for freedom. And it's something that you probably ended up with due to sin. So obviously that definition that you gave was like talking about um, someone that you were most likely physically intimate with. Obviously some people feel that they have, um, I shouldn't say obviously, but there are cases I've heard where people feel they have soul ties with friends. And that's kind of a whole different thing because you obviously can sin with your friends and that's not to be sexual sin, but it can be like just inappropriate um relationships, behaviors, whatever the case is. Um, And sometimes you feel like you can't break free of this friend. Every time that I try to do good, they come back around, that type of thing. Um, But yeah, so you just, you want to do it gently because um, I think sometimes it's so easy for us just to like, want to kind of change our lives cold turkey. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to stop smoking weed. I'm going to stop having sex. I'm going to stop binge eating or whatever it is that you're struggling with. Um, and it, we have to kind of approach our, our toxic and our unhealthy relationships the same way. Um, of course, if we're talking about romantic relationships, like you absolutely can break up with somebody one, one night and like it's over. But usually that's not how it happens. Like you don't just wake up in the morning one day and say, I don't love this person anymore. I'm done with you. It's a gradual disconnection even when we talk about marriage in the process of divorce people always leave emotionally before they leave physically like physically leave a house or physically get divorced a lot of times people say hey we, we haven't been married for years and we haven't acted married for years before they actually get a divorce some of you may experience that too like you've been in a relationship and before you actually broke up you were like look i, I this isn't going to work out right before you actually ended the relationship yeah it's never really a dramatic 
thing. I am somebody who I don't believe anything happens out of the blue. I really believe if we're paying attention enough, you can see warning signs of things getting worse and worse and worse or better and better before they hit this, you know, definitive breaking point of a divorce or of a sickness or or whatever the case is. So um, all that to say, whoever asked this question, I love that you are seeking God and seeking freedom and seeking wisdom when it comes to this relationship um, that you've had that you're trying to get free of and, and kind of do better with. I think that be really gentle with yourself. Um, don't be mad at yourself that you're like, hey, I'm still like attached to this person. What's wrong with me? Nothing's wrong with you. Um, what's wrong with you is what's wrong with all of us. And <laughs> that's sin. Like we all have had some type of toxic, unhealthy relationship with one person or other. And it takes time. Um, I remember my relationship in high school, <laughs> like, after we broke up one, two years after that, I was still like thinking about this man and still like kind of like wondering about him more than I should have been. And I got kind of mad at myself about that, but I'll, I share that to share, you know, it takes time to move on um, and to untangle yourself from someone. Cause think about it. You probably didn't get tangled up with them overnight. I mean, maybe you did like physically, but emotionally it probably took some time. Um, so just be really gracious with yourself. Keep going, keep moving, um, keep making steps in the right direction. And even when you do take steps backwards, like don't let the enemy tell you like, oh, well, you might as well just keep going that way because you already started. Like, no, God's mercies are new every single morning. So if you made a mistake, you texted them. If you're going through their Facebook or whatever the case is, or Instagram, we don't really do Facebook anymore. If you're looking at their stuff and you, you know, you shouldn't be taking you down this dark path to say, okay, you know, today's a new day. I'm going to try again. And then just string together a bunch of really great days. And the next thing you know, you've had a month, two months, three months, six months of untangling. Um, and also don't tangle up with somebody else trying to untangle with a previous person don't you know that saying people say like, oh the best way to get over someone is to get under someone else it's mm. not true that's how it'd be in hollywood don't you, do that you watch the movie girl we gonna have a girl we're gonna go to the club we're going to the club we're going to the bar we're gonna get you out yeah or they're talking about we look about like celebrities wikipedia pages and they're like divorcing people the same year they get married to someone new don't do that either that'd be crazy yeah yeah i, I love that i love the take it slow because i think sometimes we can be so frustrated with ourselves or we're like, yeah. man, I should be over this. I, I should have been did this. And it's like, it takes time. Because you, you a lot of times, you didn't develop that soul tie most likely overnight. Now, it, may, it could have been a one-night stand maybe. But most likely, this was something that took time to develop. And just like you can't gain 30 pounds and expect to lose the whole 30. Yeah. In 30 days. I mean, the reality is it's a lot easier. You gain weight quicker than you lose it. So you have to be more patient with yourself when you are trying to get free and get healthy of things. Um, because this is a sinful world. If you wanted to find sin, you could do it literally in three minutes. Um, but health is a process. The enemy does not want you to be healthy. He does not want you to be free of this relationship. So he's going to make it really hard for you. So I think that's, again, goes back to the expectations. Like don't expect it to be easy. Know that it's going to be hard, but it'll be worth it. Yeah. And trust that God is with you um, through this process and make sure that you're involving him in the process. Like you want to make sure that you're like truly seeking God. You're not, uh, Putting yourself in unnecessary situations uh, consistently. So like Pauline said, maybe there's a time where you're on their Instagram or maybe you text them, but don't continually do that. Yeah. And I think one of the things that you said helped you 
was you started serving and you started being involved in church a lot more. And you looked up one day and were like, I haven't thought about this yeah. person in a while. Yeah, I didn't share that part today. But yeah, that's definitely true. Having a healthy distraction. And maybe distraction is not the best word because distraction is like a negative word. But just having, fixing your eyes and fixing your attention, your energy on something else. So if you have just gotten out of a situation, you're trying to avoid situation. People have this um, term, it's not biblical, but you know, like idle hands are the devil's playwork. So a lot of times when people have free time, that's when they end up sinning. Idle, idle hands are the devil's playground. Playground, what did I say? Playwork. Yeah, I don't know what Sorry. <laughs> you guys know what I'm saying. But yeah, so when you have nothing to do, it's very easy to get into trouble. We see that with teenagers. You know, if you guys have little siblings or nieces, nephews, whatever, you know, a lot of times parents are trying to keep their kids or teenagers or those who are younger really busy because if they're not in sports and arts and music, it's easy for them to get into gangs and things they shouldn't yeah. be in. I mean, that whole idea of replacing is biblical. Yeah. If you think about the story where Jesus talks about the person yes. who had a, a legion of yeah. demons in them and they That's cast true. it out, but then the demons came back and the person ended up being worse off. Right. than they were before because they didn't fill themselves with the Holy Spirit, right. but it was an empty void. And that's why you can even see it naturally, right? You see somebody who maybe they used to be an alcoholic and somehow they got clean, yeah. but then unfortunately they slipped back into alcoholism and the second time was worse than the first time. Yeah, that's so true. When I was gr- growing up in elementary school, we had... Um... Alcoholic teacher. No, we had these like recess teachers and like they would watch over us during lunch and recess, I guess, while like the real teachers, like that was their lunchtime or their playing time or whatever. And one of the teachers, she faithfully every day had this lollipop. And I later learned, why did I know this on the elementary school blacktop gossip? But I learned that she always had a lollipop because she used to be a smoker. Mm. So she had the lollipop to, because she was so used to putting something in her mouth, um, which is actually really smart because I also learned later that a lot of people who stop smoking, they actually gain a lot of weight because instead of smoking cigarettes, they're not putting food in their mouth because, again, they're just used to that motion. I only know that's a thing because uh, Fast and Furious, the guy Han on there, he was a smoke ex-smoker and he would always eat chips. And she was like, that's you used to be a smoker. Uh, so that's for the fellas. It's one of Tim's Prince favorite show, uh, movies. But yeah, so I like to say you, you need to replace it with, replace the relationship with the healthy relationship. I mean, the, you really need to be replacing it with Jesus um, and spending more time with him, but also like healthy community all those things. And that's why I said don't replace it with another person, like another boyfriend or girlfriend, but replace it with something healthy. So, yeah. Yeah. That's good. Uh honestly, replacing it first with Jesus because if you had a soul tie because of a sexual relationship, Jesus wasn't in your relationship and most likely a lot of times people have the, that he could have person, been in it but he wasn't controlling. It. A lot of times people had their partner in the seat that God should have had in their heart. Sure, and that's how you end up. So you want to make sure you replace that person in your heart with the Holy Spirit, with God, uh, and that will definitely help you go a long way. Quick commercial break. If you haven't heard already, we are hosting our first ever singles mixer, the one-to-one singles mixer. For every one woman, there's going to be one man there. What do you have to say? I want you to get... We're so excited about it. There's going to be... 
zero, absolutely zero speed dating. So you don't have to have any anxiety about that. But we are going to have plenty of activities and ways for you to meet people and have meaningful, intentional conversations with the opposite sex. Hopefully leave there with a number or two if you're a guy. Hopefully leave there with some dates on the calendar um, for my ladies and my guys. But the only way that we can make that happen is to secure that one-to-one ratio. So guys, we need you to purchase your tickets. If you're in the DMV area or if you wanna take a little road trip out here on May 5th, we would love to have you. This is, I'm telling you, gonna be like a mixer, an event you've never been to before. You don't wanna miss out. There's only 18 tickets left for the guys, so make sure you click the link below and get your ticket now and invite some friends too. All right, let's move to the next question. How do you make and keep platonic friends of the opposite gender? How do you keep and make? I think sometimes we can overcomplicate things. Uh, I think the way you make opposite sex friendships is the same way you make same sex friendships in the sense of you connect with them, you show interest in them, you get to know them, you do things that are similar. And I get that women and men are different Mm -hmm. in how they connect, but I'm just saying like getting connecting with people isn't necessarily different. I would more so want to know why, why do you want to be friends with the opposite sex? Is it because you're trying to find mates? Yeah. Is it just why? And the reason I say that is because there's this whole debate. Should men and women be friends? Uh, when you get married, should you keep your friends of the opposite sex? What should that look like? So I just want, want to be mindful of the heart going into it. Because yeah. especially if you are someone who's like, I don't want to have opposite sex friendships when I'm married. What's the point in really developing a bunch of those now? Again, if it's for the purpose of trying to find people to date, you know, that's a different question. And maybe you can answer it from that perspective. But I just would want to know why first you and also what's the definition of friendship? Because you you can be friends with somebody, but you're really associates. Right. (laughs) Or you what does that mean to be friends? Right. Or you could be friends with somebody and it's like deep. I think I think it's healthy to have a lot of different associates of the opposite sex. And yeah. Maybe y'all have a group chat and this is you and it's a bunch of mixed gender people in there. Mixed gender. Okay. It's a bunch of women, a bunch of women and men in the group chat. chat. It's 2023. You got to be clear. Uh, or maybe you go out on different group dates with people, whatever. Uh, that definitely is safer yeah. than you just having a bunch of, opposite sex friendships and people can get in their feelings when we talk about this topic. Cause it's like, I'm grown. I can do what I want. Or there's this one person who's like, well, it's worked for me. I got opposite sex friendships. And like, that's great. But I think when you're talking in general, yeah. it's something to be mindful of because it only takes one incident for right. opposite sex friendship to go wrong. Yeah. And we've, we've <clears throat> definitely heard a lot of stories of people who are like, Oh, I can do it. And then six months later, it's like, this girl likes me, this guy likes me. It's like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is how like our biology works. But um, yeah, I love what you said. I definitely think the reason why you want to be friends with anybody is really important, whether they're same gender or not. I don't think there's anything wrong with you wanting to have more guy friends or girlfriends um, to expand your network or community of like, potential people to meet um but i also think that like you should be genuine and like if just because someone isn't a potential Mm. you know 
someone that you would date that you wouldn't be friends with them um because you don't want to you don't want to use people and people can like sense that and you don't want to like build a reputation yeah you got a good follow-up question would you not recommend talking to guy friends about the guy you're interested in guy friends okay i think it could be helpful to get a male perspective as a friend i agree um yeah i think that it's it's so much easier for people if you have like brothers because obviously brothers or sisters because like obviously they're going to be on your side number one they're highly invested into like somebody who you are dating um and they can be biased too but your your family's crazy and they're like button roll up on somebody but but yeah i think that like that's the best option for getting like advice um on like oh like a guy said this to me what does this mean or like what should i do or whatever uh, if you don't have brothers or sisters or cousins or family members that you can trust that you feel are wise that can give you kind of like that that perspective when it comes to dating um the best next option is going to be um like friends or mentors that are married um just because again these are people who you know are not interested in you <laughs> um now that's the trouble when it comes to asking friends for advice is because if you're a girl and you ask your best guy friend Brian hey Brian I really like this guy Frederick you know what do you think about him and Brian is single you don't know if Brian really likes you or not and you don't know if he's going to give you unbiased advice um now obviously we get into nuances of like oh if you guys have been friends for 15 years or like you know that he's dating another girl or something like that like yeah of course like definitely if he's dating about to get engaged like you know for a fact that he's you know like not interested in you because he has somebody else um that's that might be a good option for you but also like i like to get advice from people who have already been there versus people who are also doing it at the same time and kind of figuring it out as they are going like I am. Yeah. And I think if you can have, if you can ask multiple people, yeah, that honestly is best um, that you trust, obviously. Um, but the reason I say that, because the Bible says there's safety in a multitude of counselors. Right. So uh, maybe you only have one guy friend, but you have uh, someone at church who you, uh, who you trust, who's married that you can ask, um, or you have other people in your life who you can bounce that idea off of instead of just having that one person. I think yeah. that can be helpful. Because I think that like we kind of have to talk about what it means to be a friend and have a friend because like you can get advice from your friends, but most of the time you're getting perspective from your friends. So what do you think about this? What's your opinion? And it's not always like tried and true advice. Hey, if I were you this is what I would do. Or when I was in your seat, this is what I did. And this is how it turned out for me. Um, kind of think about like when you go to your, you know, your parents for advice, if you do that, like your parents are not like, you basically, your friends, I always think about your friends are someone on your level, like your parents, mentors, people who are a little bit further in life from you that you're getting advice from. They're not necessarily like on your level. That doesn't mean you don't have a friendship with them, but they're not just your friends um because i think a lot of times you know our friends are like our peers people were walking among you think about like all right we're all kind of like doing this together we're all in the same kind of like not season of life but stage of life um and that's why age a lot of time doesn't really matter because there are some people who get married really young and they have a lot of wisdom um in relationships and stuff like that and there are people who are 
older who have never been married and they've never really had any relationship wisdom. And that doesn't mean that they're not wise in other areas. Um, like you wouldn't go to, you know, somebody who is an engineer and ask them for advice about getting into medical school. They just haven't done it. They don't know. Um, they could look stuff up for you <laughs> on Google and like kind of ask around and friends stuff like that. But you would ask them about going to become an engineer. You wouldn't ask them about becoming a doctor. So yeah, that's why I get a little weary about people saying like getting advice from friends. It's like, I think you can get perspective from them and you should definitely involve them in your dating process and like introduce them to the person that you're interested in, get their perspective, all those things, but what they like about them, what they don't, what their concerns are. Um, but you should also have people above you, ahead of you, who whose voices are a little bit have more weight I would say than your friends because friends can be fickle that's how you girl don't be with him because his shoes are whack who cares like that has nothing to do with anything <laughs> um so yeah so let's go to the next question do you have bible slash devotional time as a couple in addition to individual bible study time how do you make time for it as a couple, especially when dating? Mm. So I this think is this such is an interesting question. It is. And to be transparent, we don't necessarily have that much strategic planned uh, Bible study time together. We absolutely both on our own every day, read our Bibles, spend time with God. Uh, but as far as you know, today we're going to sit down and go over Mark three. Like we don't personally do that. And I think this question, especially when we get to the dating part of it, is honestly going to vary based on who you talk to, because there's some people who are like, when you're dating, you shouldn't even pray together. That's too much. And there's some people who are like, you should pray every day. So I think, and there's no Bible on it. Right. So I think it's something that you have to figure out what am I comfortable doing? Uh, and are you comfortable praying with somebody every day? Are you comfortable if you have a weekly devotion time? Something that we've often said is you know, be careful of, of doing something with your dating partner that you don't do with other friends. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, the person you're dating is just your friend in God's eyes right now. There's right. no covenant. You're not married. There's no commitment. There's no responsibility. So you, you want to be careful. But when we dated, we there we didn't start this way. And you definitely don't need to be on a second date and y'all going to start praying together. But like, eventually the, the longer we got in our relationship, I believe we got to a place where we maybe pray weekly. Yeah. Like once a especially week. Especially because engagement is very. Yeah. Especially in engagement. Uh, like once a week, we would pray together intentionally. Yeah. Uh, it was on the calendar and we were focused. Um, we had a prayer list that we yeah. could share. Yeah. Now in marriage, we do pray every day together. Just we do that before we go to sleep. Uh, and it's not, it's very rarely is it like super long and deep. Um, but we do have every month, there's some time where we will intentionally seek the Lord. And it's technically individually. But one of the things that works for us, and again, it's going to be different for each person. And you got to figure out what works for you and your partner when you're married. But what works for us is, you know, Pauline may read a, a something in the Bible, or I may read something in the Bible, or she may hear something in a sermon, or I may hear something in a sermon. And then we'll talk about it, say, hey, this is what God's speaking to me, or this is what God doing, is telling me. And then we have a discussion about it. Yeah, That tends to work for us more than to, hey, every third Tuesday, we're going to sit down yeah. and read a devotion. You know, we've tried to do things like that before, and we're just not that consistent with it. Yeah. Um, and like I said, every couple is different. I know like our church twice a year has what we call pray 21, where we will meet as a church at 6 a.m. in the morning and pray. 
I know some people who won't go without their spouse. Like they'll literally wake their kids up and take the kids at 6 a.m. to church so that they can be together to pray because they're married. Whereas us, we're not waking our son up at 6 a.m. because it's not that necessary. We prefer to go separately. So Monday, I'll go to prayer. And then Tuesday, Paulina go and then the other person will stay back uh, with our with our kid. And for us, that works better than going together. But again, I don't think there's necessarily a right or wrong way. Yeah. I think it's just, what do you feel good about? What is the Lord leading you to do? How do you feel? And first and foremost, what's most important is you have your own personal relationship with God. And I think that's where you can definitely get in trouble in the dating stage. When if you, especially too early, if you start trying to uh, do a lot of spiritual stuff is because there's already some natural emotions and hormones and endorphins that are going off that are blinding you from certain things because you got those I'm in love feelings or you got those I think I may be in love feelings and and that can sometimes things can get weird unnaturally when you're too early in a relationship and like we've seen I've seen people where they start dating and they're like for some reason the person they're dating starts becoming their god and instead of going to god in prayer instead of talking to god about certain things they always run to their partner first yeah. and they're kind of replacing god well we talked to somebody on our podcast before uh our, our friend mo he talked about when he was in a relationship god checked him it was like you know you don't spend time with me anymore right. like you you do all your time with with your with your girl and that's just something you want to be mindful of yeah yeah, I think that all that is really good. Um, it's so interesting because it is all very culture-based. Like, a lot of it's going to be depending on, like, what church you go to and, like, what you see around you, maybe what type of family you grew up in um, and what people's expectations are there. Because, like, a lot of people, um, I'm honestly thinking about people who aren't, like, really saved. It's, like, more, like, churchgoers and people who feel like their relationship with God is very private and very um like this is you know i don't pray out loud i don't really tell anybody about what god is doing in my life or in my heart or whatever and i don't i don't think that our relationship with god should be a secret there are private parts of your relationship with god i think i've heard you say before like you need to know that they can pray yeah exactly and like be having grace but that doesn't mean you need to pray together every day to know that like you can be in an environment with somebody and hear them pray in a group setting and make sure they say grace and know that you know it's you can tell when when someone prays a lot or when they don't (laughs) like how like their level of confidence um with that but yeah so i don't think that you need to be too hung up on it um especially when you're dating, I feel like you need to ask yourself, why? Why do I want to have devotions with this person? Why do I want to pray with them? I think if it is like, oh, well, because he's my boyfriend, because she's my girlfriend, this is, um, you know, an area of my life. I want to connect with them spiritually. Well, you can connect with people spiritually and still have boundaries. And at the end of the day, your relationship with God was there before you met this person and it'll be there after that person is gone. Even if you get married, like that's true for him. That's how I think about my relationship with God with Tim. Like I had it before I met Tim. I'll have it after Tim and I's, um, you know, whether I die first or he dies first or whether we die together. I don't know, but like, I'll have that forever. Like my relationship with God will is, is my anchor. Like that needs to be strong in order for even me and Tim to be good. Um, and I think that a lot of times 
Christians think like, oh, well, you know, I'm with another Christian, then we should be able to share this together. And like, yes, but also like, no, because like you share, like for for instance, Tim and I have a son, right? We have a relationship together as a family, but I have my own relationship with and with Joshi, I have time with him. Tim has time with him sometimes and we have time together, but it doesn't mean like I can't hang out with Joshua without Tim or I can't be with Tim without Joshua. It's not like we're, we're a package deal. And in that sense, if that, if that is kind of like a different way to think about it, um, because yeah, at the end of the day, you know, like, especially when you're dating, like you and that person are not one, you're not together. And even though God hopefully is in your relationship and you are inviting him and you are seeking him together, but people, I guess, feel like, oh, to seek God together means we pray together. We read the word together. And that can be a part of it. But a lot of times I think what's more important is to seek God on your own and come together and say, hey, what is God saying to you? This is what God is saying to me and kind of see where it aligns and where unified and we do that as a couple too can i say that? that's a good point you hit on because i think if you're getting too intertwined spiritually yeah. sometimes you can be carrying somebody spiritually and not even realize it because oh well we pray every day together or we read the bible every day and it's like really it's you praying really is you coming with a yeah. fresh word from god and not really down yeah and you just want to be mindful of that yeah so there's there's if and if you are going to have some type of like Devo time or prayer time together, just make sure that that's not your only time or your main time for connecting with God. Um, yes, please. Because at the end of the day, like we said, your relationship with God is individual. Um, it's personal and you need to protect that. Um, it would be kind of strange if, you know, if you and your, and your dad are really close and then all of a sudden when you get married, you only talk to your dad when your husband's around. Like that's not how it was. You guys can still have your thing and then your your husband comes along or your wife comes along. But yeah. So to be clear, that. to be clear, there's absolutely nothing wrong ever with reading the Bible or praying or talking to God. We're just saying be mindful of your heart in the situation and how it's affecting you and, and also be mindful of if you're still connecting with God on your own outside of that. All right. I think we can go to the next question unless you were. Yep. Cool. So the next question is, I have a non-believing boyfriend. I told him that I wanted to stop having premarital sex. He just told me that if we are taking away sex, then we shouldn't be going on dates. <laughs> Previously, we had an agreement on a two-date minimum per month because I wanted to see more effort and I wanted to come up with new experiences for us. What should my next steps be or what should I say to him regarding the importance of dating? You should break up. <laughs> That's it. Next question. No, <laughs> sir. Seriously, um, this is a big red flag. Everybody always talks about red flags. Like, what's a red flag? This is a red flag. This is a blinking sign. Not even just, like, obviously, like, the sex part is a red flag. The non-believing boyfriend part is a red flag. But just if we take the spiritual stuff out really quick, uh, the potential selfishness that we're seeing here yeah. is also wild. Because it's like, okay, now because you're not getting what you want, you're gonna take I'm not going to give you what you want. Yeah, I don't want no dates, so I'm not going to give that to you. I'm going to punish you. And that's something to be mindful of when you're dating somebody. Are they petty? <laughs> because in a relationship, my dad told me this uh, growing up, like when he was looking for a wife, what was really important for him was to make sure he found somebody that he could agree to disagree with. 
because in relationships, arguments are going to happen. But he wanted to be with somebody who they know how to push his buttons. He knows how to push their buttons, but they both choose not to push each other's buttons. Yeah, that's because honestly, at the end of the day, that's just petty. Like if you're like, look, I know how to uh, anger you. I'm going to say this one thing. Why? That's not helping the relationship go forward. Just like in this situation, not going on dates is not helping the relationship move forward. Um, now, that's just a side note on some practical stuff. But on the spiritual tip, obviously, uh, I don't know if you weren't saved before you got in this relationship, and then you got and then you got in a relationship, or I don't know if you were saved first and then tried the missionary date. So depending on how that worked out you you're going to be careful because the reason i say that is if you were already saved and you started dating somebody that isn't a believer why why did you do that like that is just that's not a good idea setting yourself up up for failure um but most likely this situation seems like it may have been she was already in the relationship and then got saved um so it's going to be a hard decision for you but unless he starts Unless he gets set on fire for the Lord, you should just end the relationship. Probably not even then. Because, because the emotional yes. immaturity. Now, here's why I say that. Because you may be listening to this. No, like, you don't know our relationship. You don't know him. The reason I say you need to end it is because the Bible talks about bad company corrupts good character. Yeah. So no matter how much you want to not have sex, y'all going to end up having sex, which you don't want to do, it seems like. Because... If you stay around them long enough, they're going to get what they want. Uh, you're going to give into it, even if you don't want to right now. Uh, you just want to be mindful of that. I'll let you go. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the Bible says in Amos 3, 3, I think it is, like, how can two walk together unless they agree? And if you guys don't agree on boundaries, on just character like how you treat one another it's just not going to it's going to set you up for a pretty miserable future um and if this is the mindset and that's the thing is you a lot of times people date thinking like oh well they'll get better once we get married he'll change once we have kids they'll change and that's never often people get worse <laughs> when you get more um when you add more pressure i don't mean worse but like their true selves are magnified. So if this is who he is and who he's showing you to be just as a boyfriend, where it's just honestly supposed to be all fun and games at this stage. It's going to be worse. Yeah, it's going to be. And like, you don't want to, you don't want to just think about who you'll be in 10 years, like 10 years, picture yourself 10 years from now. And you don't want to look back at who you are now and say, dang girl, like you saw the signs and you ignored them because of whatever reason, because he has good money because your parents like him because he's cute because the ratio is bad. I don't know. Whatever the the reason why you're with him, you're staying with him. Um, you don't want you know your future self to regret that. You don't want your future daughter to grow up viewing you know that type of treatment. Don't let fear drive your decision. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, if you don't if you don't agree on how to treat each other it's going to be it's going to be a really miserable time um so if he doesn't respect your boundaries which is going to be hard for him to because you guys don't have similar morals and just kind of like standards of living and and thinking it's going to be really hard um but i'll tell you this whatever you surrender and give to god he always gives back to you 
a hundred times better. Um, it may take some time. And, you know, it may not look the way that you want it to look, but it will always be better. Yeah, that's really good. All right, let's go to our next question. I was curious if you have spoken about church hurt. I believe my current fiance is dealing with this because of being forced into church by parents growing up. She now she now will go to church with me, but it's only because she knows that's what I like, but not because she has a relationship with Jesus. The walls are still up, in my opinion, because of my because of her past church hurt. She never was shown the love of Christ, just told what to do and what not to do. So, so not really a question. Not really a question, but I guess essentially what they're trying to get at is like, how do I help my girlfriend love Jesus? Fiance. My fiance love Jesus. That's kind of what I'm thinking from it. I don't know if you Yeah, this is a tough situation. I mean, you sound extremely compassionate um and generous towards her and gracious towards her. So shout out to you um for being that way. And that doesn't surprise me because it sounds like you love Jesus for yourself and you have your own relationship and experience with him. And I'm sure he's been that way towards you. I know that he has. Um <laughs> yeah, I mean it's really tough because you can't force people to be something or do something that they don't want to do or be. And it sounds like she has good reason for kind of like her experience, but um, we've all been through hurt and trauma and um, just hard situations and people take steps to health and towards freedom when they're ready. And what sometimes that being ready means getting kind of like, a fresh revelation of who God is of who they are knowing that that freedom and um, health is even possible. Like some people just don't, but she may think like, Oh, well, all churches are like this. Why would I try? Um, if the church is like this and that means God is like this. So she may not know, um, you know, the goodness and, 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 and the goodness of God, the love of God, just like it sounds like you described uh, the best thing that you can do um, really with any unbeliever that you love uh, is to tell them your experience with God and um, tell him, tell them what, what God has done in your life and, and demonstrate that in a loving way. Like, hey, I used to be lost, but now I'm found. I used to be blind, but now I see. And um, nobody can deny your experience or kind of talk their way out of your experience. This is your experience. And maybe you've already done that. I mean, you guys are engaged, so I'm guessing you've had a lot of deep and meaningful conversations. Um about yourselves, about what you want for the future. Um, so if you have done that um, and shared your story and shared and demonstrated God's love, you know, and treated her with love, I think, you know, it's really up to her and up to God about like how, how she's going to respond. If she knows about another option um, and she decides not to go down that route. And of course, you know, most of us, it takes us some time to trust God and to surrender to God when we've gone through such pain. Um, and that's okay. You know, one of the things I love about the Lord is that he does not rush us. He is never telling us like, hurry up. Like I got stuff to do. I don't have time to sit around and wait for you to be sad and mopey. Like that's not his disposition at all. He's very like, Hey, whatever you need, I'm here. Um, however long you need, I will be with you. And, um, I love that about him. And I know that he has that same heart and compassion towards your fiance. 
Um, but I also would take time to seek God about, hey, God, I love this girl. I want to be with her. Um, but do you want me to be with her? Should I be with her given her state? And I, I say that because, you know, you all are engaged and it sounds like her mindset and just her, the state of her heart. Um, it is something that is, is serious and something that, um, it will affect your marriage. It will affect, you know, the way that you all live your lives if you do get married. And I think it's really hard because I'm, I'm positive you're in love with her. And I know that you care for her the way that you even wrote this question, but sometimes the best thing that we can do for people is to let them go because, being with God is more important for her than her being with you. And I don't know how long y'all have been together, but clearly, you know, the love that you've shown her um, has not, it's God may have more, God may have another way of reaching her. Um, and if he tells you to be with her, then, then great, that's fine. But also just know what you're getting yourself into and know that it's going to be an uphill battle and pray and ask for the grace to love her the way that you need to, because it's not going to be easy dragging somebody to church and, you know, kind of having to wait for them to have this affection and love for, for the Lord that you do. Um, and, yeah. So I would just say, be a little bit weary of that. I don't know what the right thing to do is because I don't know, obviously like your history and things like that, but I think that you have an opportunity. Yeah. The Bible says to count the costs. And I think everything you said is really good. I think it's really important to make sure, like Pauline said, please pray about it. Like, I don't want you to underestimate how much of a big deal this could be once and you get seek married. wisdom too. Don't, like pray about it as well. Yeah. I don't want you to underestimate how serious this could be in your marriage pauline was saying it but like i want you to really get the the importance of this could have a big issue in your marriage of you may not be forcing her to go to church but you may be encouraging her to go to church when you get married and then she may look at that as oh he's trying to force me just like my parents and then she may shut down completely on you. Yeah. And then she may not want to go to church at all anymore. And then that could cause even more of an issue in your marriage, which is going to put a drain on you. So that's just something you want to consider. Is that something just practically that you want to experience and live with on, on a daily basis? Another thing I want to say is there's a difference between church hurt and a relationship with Jesus. I want to make sure that we all understand that because this question, I feel like it's two different questions. Because one, you say, have you talked about church hurt? She was forced to go to church growing up. But then you say at the end, she will now go to church with me. But it's only going because she knows that's what I like, not because she has a relationship with Jesus. So you literally said that she literally that to me implies that she doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. And that is a whole different situation to be in church hurt because church hurt happens by people right. hurting you, but, not uh, by having a relationship with God. And I think that's where the issue is, is like you said, unfortunately she hasn't met any people that can love her like Christ, but it sounds like she also hasn't really met Jesus who will love her uh, in a way that is real to her. Mm -hmm. So that's another red flag or uh, something that you want to be aware of. So I think like Pauline says, seeking wisdom, meaning uh, hopefully you two are in premarital counseling if you are, this needs to be a topic that comes up immediately oh, yeah. because 
I don't know any pastor who wouldn't deal with this. <laughs> this is very serious. Again, I, we're, we're saying this because we we're married and like we know like stuff that wasn't maybe that big of a deal or stuff that we didn't think would be that big of a deal before we got married ends up being a big deal in marriage. And we just want to make sure that you really understand that this is something not to take lightly. Like, please go seek premarital counseling or, or help from mentors uh, to kind of walk you through this and, and make sure you really pray about it to the Lord. Yeah. Cause the question sounds like you're looking for help for her and that's already troublesome because like, Obviously, you want to be supportive of the person that you're with, but you can't heal for them. Like, if I broke my foot and, you know, I needed to go to rehab and go to the doctors, like, Tim can't go there and say, oh, my wife broke her foot. Like, that's why I'm here. I have to go. He can come with me. He can drive me. He can cheer me on. But I'm the one who has to do the work. I'm the one who has to do the exercises. And if she's not willing to show up for herself because she can't, she doesn't know how, you know, all the grace and all the love towards her, because I know that it's hard and she's just not ready yet. So I would, that's why I'm kind of wondering like, hmm, like, is this an opportunity for you to make a different decision when it comes to taking your relationship to the next level, um, given her state. Yeah. You don't want to put pressure on her or put a responsibility on her that she can't, she can't handle. Yeah. We got a great follow-up question. Do you think it's okay to date someone who has a relationship with God, but doesn't go to church or want to go to church? That is a good question. Me personally, that would not work for me. A um, couple of reasons why. One, it's hard for me to believe, especially if you have access to churches. Like in America, if you live in America, then you definitely have access definitely. to a church where you live. If you live in a different country, it could be a different situation potentially. Yeah, and more dangerous. But if 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 it's an American context... I don't get how you could have a thriving relationship with God, an active relationship, and it's not leading you to some type of church. Right. Because the Bible and God calls us to be in community with other believers. And I know that, unfortunately, that they say that church membership and attendance is, is dwindling these days. But I just don't see I, – I don't – I wouldn't want to be with someone who isn't attending church regularly because – that's something that is important for me. And that's something that you want to remember when you're dating. Like, it's okay for you to want certain things and want to be with somebody uh, who wants the same things, especially when it's things as serious as your faith. And it's not wrong for you to want to be with somebody who wants to go to church. Right. Or, uh, yeah, <laughs> like that's that's not a, a bad thing. What would you say? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that I would have to ask, like, why doesn't this person go to church or why don't? They want to go to church if they love Jesus. A lot of conversation is necessary. Yeah, because it's one thing, like, if they just moved and they just, you know. Of course. Yeah, like, whatever. Like, okay, like, I'm in the process of, you know, finding a new church or whatever, something like that. But that's different. Like, if you don't go to churches, I don't want to go to church. Because if you're looking, actively looking for a church or you're, like, shopping around, like, then you want to go. And that's a good good sign to me. But if you don't want to go, I would definitely want to know why. Like, maybe there's some church hurt involved or, you know, something happened. Um, that person doesn't feel safe at a church. I think that um, 
it's definitely a sign of maturity though. Um, I think that, you know, especially in this day, day and age, you know, post pre during COVID, whatever I'm going to call it, virtual church is so accessible and it is so great, um, to have that. If you're sick, you know, you're not able to go to church. You can of course watch online. Um, but I think that sometimes people use that as a crutch of like, oh, I don't have to go in person anymore because I just watch, I worship and um, watch the sermons online. And I think that like the first thing that comes to mind is like there's levels to this, right? So like if you are somebody who works out, there's only so much you can do from home unless you have one of those like super like decked out home gyms and you spent thousands, tens of thousands of dollars getting all this equipment. But most of us doing YouTube videos, it's not going to get you so far, right? In your, in your weight loss journey or your fitness goals, if you're trying to gain muscle, whatever that, you know, those types of things, like you're going to need equipment, you need weights, you need, um, no, you're going to need some assistance. And I think that that's true when it comes to our spiritual lives and our relationship with God as well. Like you absolutely can have a private relationship with God and you should, and you do, and you should be seeking God every day on your own and reading your word and worshiping and all those things. But it comes to a point where it's like, you don't have anybody around to correct you. You don't have any friends. You don't have any community. You don't have any mentors or leaders in your life to tell you, Hey, you know, here's another way to do it. And I've heard this great analogy before, you know, we talk about, of course, Jesus was crucified on the cross, his feet at the bottom and then two hands at the top. But you cannot, you can, you can, you can nail your feet in one of your hands, but you need somebody to nail the other hand on the cross. If you were thinking about, you know, dying to yourself, living your life for Jesus every single day. And you can only correct and lead yourself, but so far, because we all have blind spots. That's what we talk about a lot, you know, like mentorships and community and people who are further ahead because people, you know, like see things that you don't see. And that's, you know, church is such a great place for that. And church is not perfect. Believe me, believe me, I can tell you stories that I've experienced personally, but at the end of the day, God has not called us to go to church and told us to go to church for our like luxury or our enjoyment. It's something that is supposed to challenge us. And sometimes that that means dealing with, you know, a lot of times it means dealing with sinful people and dealing with broken people. Um, people think that sometimes church should be this like cool kids club or like, oh, I'm in with the in crowd or like, I like it here. They play my music or whatever the case is. And that's not what it's supposed to be. Church is definitely a hospital. And sometimes you're a patient at the hospital and sometimes you're working. Sometimes you're a nurse or a doctor or a volunteer or an admin or whatever the case is. And I'm not a professional, a medical professional in any sense of the, of, of the word or the experience, but a lot of times people who are medical professionals, they also need care themselves. So they go through something in their lives and they have to know when to put, you know, take their, their doctor or their nurse hat off and, you know, put on their patient hat and listen. And the same thing goes for us as Christians. And so many times we don't want to go to churches where people are all up in our business and people want to know, oh, okay, well, what's your story or what are your struggles or how can I support you? And like, you know, it's a challenge to let people in. Um, But it's, at the end of the day, if you really love Jesus, like you say that you do, or this person does, like you're going to want that correction. You're going to want to be pruned because that's what the Bible says. You're going to get cut either way. So you might as well get cut in a way where you're growing versus in a way where you're getting cut and you're getting like destroyed. Um, and God's like, 
I'm done with you. Like bear fruit no more. Like you stink. Um, so yeah, I think that it's a, it's a, it's a maturity thing for if you really are a Christian and you don't go to church, I would really, something had to have happened to you, um, to, to make you feel like that was the best and like the safest choice for you. And I think that, um, that person is not ready to date. I think that that person needs to work on getting healthy and, and having a healthy perspective because at the end of the day, like, okay, Tim and I are married, right? I'm his bride. I'm his wife. If some, if somebody says, oh, Tim, you're my bro. I love you, but I don't like Pauline. They're not friends. Like you cannot, you cannot step to somebody and say, oh, I, Jesus, I love you, but I don't like your church. Like Jesus literally died for his church. And if you don't like his church, there's going to be problems. Like there's going to be issues. You can't love one without the other. Um, and Jesus, and this is true. Tim, a lot of times is easier to like than I am. And that's okay. So you may feel like Jesus is easier to like than his people are, than his churches. And that's okay. But that doesn't mean you stop trying and give up. Um, that means you just keep talking to Jesus, asking him, hey, how can I get your perspective on the church? And also realizing that you are part of the church too, <laughs> and that you are broken and you are sinful and you've made mistakes helps to be more gracious um, to others. Yeah. Bottom line. You can go to heaven without going to church, but it's going to be really hard for you to live a life as yeah. a thriving Christian without going to church and being in godly community. So I think that's great. I know you got so much value out of that. Which question was your favorite? I think my favorite might have been the one talking about sex and not going on dates and all of that because... Like, what? Like, that's just a, a random question to me. Yeah, my favorite one was the one about the fiance. I think that that was so real. I loved the person's heart, um, but also in a really tough situation. So believing that the Lord will speak to that person. Absolutely. This has been another episode of the W Podcast. We'll see you next week. Thanks for watching this video. To get more Christian relationship advice, subscribe to our channel. And make sure you check out our other videos as well.